0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom (laughs) for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. And today's all going to be about... uh, Emotional freedom, laughing, power of laughter uh, with uh, creativity, comedian, art. And so today I have actually a very interesting guest. Uh, his name is Art Bell, and he founded Comedy Central. So looks like he worked at HBO in the late 80s. We're going to hear all about that. It's going to be a great conversation. I'm happy to have celebrities on my show. So Art, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I know. Uh, I know you wrote a book called Constant Comedy, which we're going to talk about. But tell us more about yourself, your journey, and we'll start from there.
1: Well, the book actually is called Constant Comedy: How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. And I, <laughs> I, I wrote it because I wanted to tell the story of how Comedy Central came to be. A lot of people who watch Comedy Central now, especially younger people, just assume that Comedy Central was always there and always successful and it's just not true. I mean, when when I started it, first of all, it was very hard to get it started. We can talk about that. It was not successful. It was almost a failure. It was almost turned off. And uh, I wanted people to know that it's hard to get these things done.
0: yeah, this you know, that's central to entrepreneurship is you know, usually you fail more than you succeed. so we'll we'll just talk about it like uh, so we'll just talk about um following your dream to find your career. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? It, it was uh, an interesting journey. I actually started when I was um, eight years old. I I was watching television and I saw comedians on television. And I thought, wow, these guys are really powerful, aren't they? I mean, this whole comedy thing. And I really liked it. I became a comedy nerd. You know, I just wanted to know everything I could about comedy right through high school. I got all of the uh, comedy albums that were out. You know, in those days, I I'm talking about late 60s, early 70s. There were a lot of comedy albums being released. Robert Klein, you know, uh, George Carlin, one of the great comedians, had a huge best-selling album. And in my house, we just listened to them constantly. So that's how I came to love comedy. And I went to college, did a little bit of performing. People always say, did you do any performing? I did a little bit of performing, but mostly writing. I like to write comedy. I majored in economics, and I liked economics. I thought that was really fun. And I got a job out of college as an economist and worked for a consulting firm for three years in Washington, D.C. I was very smart in those days. It was really kind of my uh, smartest period of life. I was in my mid-20s. And I had a terrific time, but I just decided I did not want to be an economist forever. So I went to business school, and I decided I was going to go into the film or television industry which I wish somebody had told me at that point, you don't need to go to business school to be in the film and television industry. So I was a little bit of an anomaly. And most of the people there at business school were going to Wall Street, you know, become investment bankers or consultants. And it took me a while to get a job because all these consultants wanted to hire me and I didn't want to be a consultant. So I finally got a job at CBS, which was terrible. I was a financial analyst at CBS I really wanted to be closer to the product, what was going on. Um, And CBS was a gigantic company, one of three networks. There wasn't much cable in those days. And um, it was like working at the post office. (laughs) It was really, it was slow. I mean, I worked hard, but it was just not very satisfying. So one day, a friend of mine who had been at CBS calls and says, hey, you know, Art, I'm at HBO. It's crazy over here. And they're looking for somebody who can do econometric forecasting. And you're the only guy in the whole entertainment business I know who can do econometric forecasting. Why don't you come over? Now, HBO in those days, I'm not going to say it's just started. This is the mid-80s. It was kind of like Netflix is now. It was like the cool future of television. And I was so excited. You know, maybe I could work at HBO. So I went, I interviewed for the job, got the job. And spent the next two years at HBO trying to forecast subscribers for them, which was a tough job. Let me just say, you know, forecasting anything is a tough job. But when you're doing it in a corporate environment, people expect you to get it right. And that's hard. Anyway, so the good news is that I was closer to the product. HBO was known for comedy, they were doing all these comedy specials. With uh, with the most famous comedians, Whoopi Goldberg and and Robin Williams had hour specials. I mean, they, HBO was comedy on television. So I went to somebody and I said, you know, I really I've had this idea for a long time, pretty much since business school, that there ought to be a comedy network in the world. I mean, there's an all news network, there's an all sports network. Why not a comedy network? And everybody kind of said too expensive. You know, comedy is expensive. So I said, okay. But I didn't really give up. And then one day I said, I'm going to go pitch the head of programming at HBO. Now, you got to understand that I was a very low-level employee at the time. And Bridget Potter, who was the head of HBO programming, was a very uh, formidable and creative woman and a little scary. (laughs) <laughs> but I called up and they said, yeah, she, she'll she'll see you. Come on down. So I went to see her and I said, Bridget, I really think uh, HBO should start an all comedy network. She said, stop right there. That's a terrible idea. And I'm going to tell you why it's a terrible idea. <laughs> and for the next 15 minutes, she told me why it was a terrible idea. She gave me some pretty good reasons, actually. She said, it's expensive. Why would HBO risk its reputation on starting a comedy network? And no comedian worth his salt would be on HBO. That's what she said. No manager of any comedian would let them be on. And I didn't quite understand that. But I wasn't in the comedy business at the time. So I walked out and said, you know, thanks. And figured that was the end of that. But I knew somebody was going to start a comedy network. I just guess it wasn't going to be HBO. So I wrote up my idea for a Comedy Network and stapled it to my resume. And I was going to send it out to all these other entertainment companies. Maybe get a job. Maybe they'd be interested. Uh, And as luck would have it, my boss's boss came by and said, what are you doing? And I showed him. I said, I'm working on this thing, you know. And he said, this is really interesting. Why don't we go talk to the chairman of HBO? Now, if you thought Bridget was intimidating, the chairman of HBO, two weeks before, his name was Michael Fuchs, two weeks before that date had been named the most powerful man in Hollywood. His picture was on the cover of the New York Times magazine. And I was the least powerful man in Hollywood. And my boss said, let's go see him. And I said, when now? And he said, Yeah, right now. I had no presentation prepared. I had no idea what I was going to say. I'd pretty much struck out with Bridget, so I wasn't really (laughs) optimistic as I walked in. But I got there, I gave my pitch, I was very enthusiastic, a lot of passion. And I think the other thing that got me through it was vision. I said to Michael, Michael, you know, if we do a comedy network, if we do a comedy network, we are going to be the center of the comedy universe. And he liked that because he's a very egotistical guy, and being the center of the universe appealed to him. But that was the vision. That was my vision that we were going to be everything to comedy. So he said, "Let's try it," and that's how it started. Right? Wow!
0: It's uh, I always I love these um hearing all these like um, entrepreneurs they've They pitch their, you know, they they get rejected. You know, they go for the, the home run or um, even like, uh, you know, especially with venture capital. And it's so fascinating to you really see like, baby ideas really take take um, flight. So that
1: that that, this is
0: such a fascinating uh, story.
1: Um, Now you know what I'll make a slight correction there. It's not a correction so much, but unbeknownst to me, what I was doing was called intrapreneurship. Actually, it wasn't called that at the time. It was a, that was a term that came into, into use uh, in the early 90s. But intrapreneurship is when you're an entrepreneur inside another company. And of course, it has a lot of advantages, like you don't have to raise the money yourself, and which is, you know, that's a big deal. Um, and you can also rely on the infrastructure at the company. And in those days, you know, now, now you can put a channel out of your garage, right? You see also YouTube and TikTok, but in those days you needed um, C-band satellite technology, which was, you know, millions and millions of dollars to 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 put that together. Luckily HBO had it, so yeah. it made a difference.
0: That's awesome. So, uh, so what are you seeing? Like, okay, now we, you know, you mentioned any anybody can basically have their own media outlet you know, from an apartment or wherever, um, you know, I know we have streaming with Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. Uh, what do you see the feature of television and cable channels like Comedy Central? What are you seeing?
1: Well, it's an interesting question, especially at this juncture, because um, a lot of the cable channels that I worked with and on, because, I, you know, comedy wasn't the only one, are converting to streaming, uh, which is basically an on-demand Platform, you know, I mean, so what you gain by that is you have all these shows available to everybody all the time. What you lose is a little bit, I think, of the branding that went along with being an all comedy network or an all music network or anything like that, you know. But the channels that did that, the channels that have branding like Comedy Central that go to streaming will have an advantage in that. If they label something as a Comedy Central production or a Comedy Central show, it's going to have that aura that was associated with Comedy Central, which was, by the way, has been around for 30 plus years, which is a long time. Uh, And I'm proud of that, that it's been around for a long time. And you take something like Netflix. Netflix is more like a network model, right? NBC, ABC, CBS. Now, I was around, I don't know, I have no idea how old you or your audience are is everybody seems to be younger than me these days, so I'll assume <laughs> that you're all younger. Um, but in those days, there were three networks, and they had no branding. I mean, you know, nobody could tell the difference between ABC, NBC, and CBS. They actually tried, ABC tried to make itself the sporty, sports kind of oriented, and NBC tried to be, I don't even remember, CBS was kind of newsy, NBC was kind of entertainmenty. But, you know, it was really kind of a mishmash, and nobody could nobody could say, man, I just I just want to watch any NBC show I can. It didn't work that way. Whereas with Comedy Central, you know, there was a huge audience who said, I love Comedy Central. I want to see whatever they do. I'm going to check it out. And that's, you know, that's big. So in the age of streaming, to answer your question specifically, it's going to be different. It's going to be different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seems like like streaming is going to be more like, uh, it's like a new form of distribution. So, um, you know, people say movies are dead and All of this, but I think everything is just going to this new streaming model. You know, it's still movies, and people are going to
1: consume it differently, but it's still going to be there. So, you know what? Nothing is dead. You know, I've been in the media business for a long time. Radio was supposed to have been killed by television. I don't know that that was before my time. But when television showed up, everyone said, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, why would anyone listen to radio? They can watch TV. And uh, of course, that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, I have a friend. Who went into the radio business and he had completed his uh, degree in orthodontic because that's what his family wanted him to do. They wanted him to be an orthodontist. And he went into the radio business the day after he graduated. His father almost shot himself, so upset, and said, You'll never make any money in radio. The guy's a grillionaire now. I mean, it just there was so much money to be made in radio, still money to be made in movies for sure. I mean, you know, all the things that people say, oh, that's well, that's the end of that. It's not the end of anything. You know, all these models survive in one form or another.
0: Yeah, it's uh, so, um, yeah, it's great wisdom and great words of advice. Uh, Tell us about, um, now we're kind of coming to the end, but tell us about your memoir, um, you know, your lessons, you know, because some of the key takeaways give us, you know, a sort of wetter appetite.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think I mentioned one of the key takeaways is that um, in order for any of these things to succeed... And not many of them do. And I wasn't even sure comedy was going to succeed. You have to go in there with as much passion as you can. You have to be jumping up and down at all times when you're talking about it. I think the whole elevator pitch concept is stupid because, you know, you got to be quiet in an elevator. <laughs> you don't want to be quiet. You want to be excited. Um, and I sa- as I said, I think that's what got me through that pitch with, with the chairman of HBO. Also... You have to be committed to changing your vision, not your vision so much, but changing your approach. You know, when we launched comedy, it was originally called Comedy Channel. It was declared a failure by the press. Total failure. I mean, they just they just said, how could HBO be so stupid? The channel's not funny. It's 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 ridiculous that they even tried it. And imagine the pressure on me as the guy who pitched it. Michael Fuchs was very, very upset. Uh, and he's the one who actually said to me, you know, it took a comedy channel for me to lose my sense of humor. But I went in every day and I said, what can I do more of that's working, and what can I do less of that's not working, and that's how you get through, you know.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, what are what are some types of in this age where you have to be careful what you tweet, what you say. Uh, what do you see about comedy in terms in this age of political correctness?
1: Well, it's a very important question. Um, and I've spoken to comedians lately because I did, actually, we did a a friend of mine and I from the early days of comedy did a short 15-episode uh, podcast with people who were there in the beginning, including some comedians who are now famous. Um, so I encourage your audience to listen to that if they're interested. But they they talk about it. Comedians are really frightened by this because they say, you know, listen, if I start my routine and... You know, people don't even let me finish a sentence, and they stand up and walk out because they're offended by the topic that I'm broaching. I said, "They they said that's that's you know that's kind of ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous, but it's the reality of right now. It's not going to be the reality forever. These things have a you know tendency to swing back and forth." I think comedians serve a great purpose because they they let the audience see the world through their eyes in a comedic way so it's a little more palatable whatever their vision is i mean think about the difference that women comedians who were working in the 90s like sarah silverman for example um made to people's understanding of what it was like to be a woman in the, america in the 90s and sarah silverman was very raw and people said you can't talk about that she talked about it anyway didn't she and i think that made a huge difference so if you want to shut comedy down like that proceed at your own peril that's what i say
0: yeah, I think uh, with comedy, sometimes you have to really be, you know, with the times and sometimes you have to be authentic, you have to be raw, honest, you know, this kind of, you know, and uh, it's, it's quite interesting. I, I love how comedians, they use like timing and wit and humor. And there's so many different types of humor as well. Um, great conversation. How can people find you follow you? Uh, check out your book as well on Amazon and uh, and go from there.
1: Well, the easiest way to find stuff about me is to go to my website artbellwriter.com, and you can find out how to buy my book. It's available in all formats uh, starting actually December 5th will be the the release of the paperback. but it's available in an ebook, hardcover, and I I read the um, the audio version. So if you enjoyed listening to me for 20 minutes here uh, and you want to hear another eight hours of me talking about myself and my career. <laughs> Check out the audiobook. Also, go to Amazon. You know, I mean, uh, look up Constant Comedy by Art Bell on Amazon. Again, it's called Constant Comedy How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. And let me know what you think if you read it. I'd really like to hear from you.
0: And for all the listeners out there, uh, be sure to check out Art's resources. They'll be in the links and show notes. Follow him on socials, his website. Um, check out his book as well. Uh, thanks so much I, I really love this um ideas of an uh, entrepreneur and kind of you know the business mind and that aspect as well as well you know the the comedians those are the creatives but there's also people working on that as well so thanks so much and it was a thank great you
1: thank you bye-bye